But yeah, at least if you talk about something uh, abstract, country music could be my soulmate. <laughs> I got a feeling cold and blue, so Lord, since my baby said goodbye. This is Billy Jean Sturwalt, bringing you another episode of Taxi Taxi, the podcast that drives too fast. And this week, we have for you what might be considered an old story, the American dream. But this one's got a bit of a twist. She do me, she do you, she's got the kind of loving. Lord, I love to hear her when she called me sweet. Daddy's such a beautiful dream. That's Shota Adamashvili singing. The first thing you notice when you meet Shota is his voice. It's a one-of-a-kind Tbilisi lilt with an old-time southern twang, an actual combination of one Georgia with the other. It makes no sense at first. And then it makes perfect sense when you realize that he's Georgia's only country music singer. It's probably natural because I'm a small-town southern guy. I, my, my hometown is uh, 60 kilometers, like 40 miles away, let's say, from Tbilisi. And pretty much I grew up in the countryside. So everything about country music is pretty, uh, let's say, pretty close to my spirit. I'm a Georgian country singer. This is not a state. This is a small and lonesome country between two landscapes. Is it Europe or even Asia? It's not worth mentioning. People don't even understand what kind of music I sing. Shota's tall and lanky. He's got feathery light brown hair and always wears a well-cared-for pair of cowboy boots. Essentially, he looks like a guy you'd find standing outside of a bar somewhere in Oklahoma. Everything about him exudes small-town USA, and that's actually something he's worked hard on. He's crafted this persona based on an America that most of us have forgotten about, one of steel guitars, rodeos, and cattle drives. How would you tell somebody what it means to be a Georgian country singer? It's like a like a person who belongs to two different cultures. And I, I think part of me really belongs to American culture. But Shota has never set foot in America, and he doesn't know how to get there. If there's anyone in Georgia who I could picture making the trip, it's him. You could see him in our hometown his front porch Staring at the highway like a cabin So we truly grew up in uh, in poverty and I mean not as let's say extreme poverty but still we had problems with food and reading Bible in the dark and making cooking just just bread and water sometimes nothing else and uh, like a cutting one piece of sneakers chocolate in four pieces all these things influ- influenced my life and probably made me a person i am right now yeah when shoto was growing up his country was falling apart he was just a few years old when georgia got its independence and all that national pride mixed with one crisis after another wars and food shortages and winters with no heat criminals and tough guy culture thrived but shoto never quite fit into that 
back in my hometown even as i was even i was feeling very lonesome because uh, i was not really connected with all these people it's like reading book was reading books was something strange to them and i was still just hitting roads alone and i was always uh, just a solitary man not really in a company my mother was always begging me to get out of the books and sometimes play football with the friends then when he was a teenager Show to watch Sidney Pollock's movie, The Electric Horseman. It's got Robert Redford as a former rodeo star turned corporate spokesperson. And, well, I won't give away the whole plot, but it's a classic telling of a small-town country boy who takes on the big, greedy world. It's a great commentary on what it really means to be a cowboy. And, and when Show to watched it, something clicked. Remember, they're just horses, same as you. Only well, they've never been broke. But they ain't won no championships, neither. Is he just gonna go, just like that? You bet. I thought you guys were pals. We are. But the real breakthrough moment for him came from the film soundtrack. song that made me think what kind of music is that oh it's a cowboy music but what exactly i didn't know the name of the genre my heroes have always been cowboys and they still are it seems sadly in search of and one step in back of themselves their slow-moving dreams. He lived halfway around the world from the land of cowboys and Willie Nelson. So Shota started digging up country songs the only way he knew how, on the internet. He started with a YouTube playlist, very aptly named, Greatest Country Songs of All Time. And he didn't just learn a few songs. Shota actually taught himself English by listening to country, specifically old stars like Hank Williams Sr. and, and Patsy Cline. That accent... He's been working on it for years because he didn't just want to speak English. He wanted to speak Nashville English. This music uh, speaks to you in a way that uh, makes your probably inside world more, let's say, more used to it. And you finally, your accent and your uh, even your way of walking around and your way of talking, everything changes everything was affected i was wearing cowboy boots and cowboy hat and all these things watching western movies and i truly loved it and i just uh look in a mirror and uh, there's a different guy because i was 20 years old and uh walking around the streets uh with my cowboy outfits i was feeling like a real stranger i i felt these scornful looks at me and uh, these comments, hey Mexico, hey Antonio Banderas, which was pretty inappropriate because <laughs> I was wearing them cowboy outfits. What's the matter with the Mexico? They couldn't tell the difference between the Stetson and the Sombrero. 
It took Shota a long time to realize that most people in Georgia just weren't going to understand him. In order to get noticed, he competed in a couple televised singing competitions, most notably in Georgia's The Voice. In my opinion, well, okay, let's be frank, it was a complete train wreck. First off, he had to sing without his guitar. And then he doesn't even get to sing any country songs. Just listen to this duet they made him sing so that you can understand better. Wait for it. So obviously he didn't win, but the exposure did make him semi-famous. Now there are fancy expat cafes that pay him to do Sheryl Crow covers and people recognize him on the street. It's a minor miracle to pay your bills as a 27-year-old musician, and Shota appreciates that. But his big dream is to see Nashville and to experience the Southern American culture that he connects with so deeply. And okay, I have to say I'm really excited about this idea because he's a longtime friend of mine. Not to brag, but he even wrote me a song once. I met Shota when I was bartending at this American-themed bar in Tbilisi. We had a lot to talk about because, well, I'm from the South, and, and I grew up listening to the kind of music he plays. One day I told him, hey, we're working on a podcast, and maybe he could write a little jingle for one of my pieces. Just 48 hours later, this is what he came back with. Blonde wine and red wine and hot wine and whiskey and beer. Blonde ones and redheads and hot ones and brunettes drink here But nobody cares about me Who cares what the bartender needs I'm gonna shout it out loud To this wasted crowd Would you be so kind To call it a night Finish your drinks And whoever thinks I'll let you stay here to boost till you fall Hey, your last call I've always been impressed with Shota Not just with his talent But with his drive and his unwavering optimism Lately, I started wondering if maybe I'm being just as naive as he is Is America more out of reach for people than I thought? So I started digging. What exactly would it take for Shota to go play his music in Nashville, if only for one night? As an American living in Tbilisi, Georgians ask me all the time how they can get a visa to America. Honestly, before I did this story, I didn't understand why this was such a big issue. My friends were constantly complaining about visas, but I've traveled a lot in the past few years, and the most annoyed I'd gotten about visas was having to look up my hotel address to get my passport stamped. I never really took the time to stop and think about what that must feel like, to not be able to travel freely, to have an entire country tell you that you can't even come inside. So I decided to look into the process, step by step, and to figure out exactly why American visas are so hard to come by. But let's clear something up first. At this point, you're picturing Shota as an immigrant, 
Someone from a distant country, briefcase in hand, who wants to move to America and elbow his way to opportunity. But that's not a possibility for most people anymore. Ever since places like Ellis Island closed, way before Shota was even born, immigrating to the U.S. has become more complicated. In order to live in America, you need an immigrant visa or a green card. Last year, that waitlist had over 4 million people on it. But Shota's not trying to get a green card. He just wants to visit America. What he needs is a different kind of visa, a non-immigrant type B visa to be specific. But, you know, it's commonly called a tourist visa. As an American, most countries I go to don't even require that I get one of these. When I do need a tourist visa, I just buy it for $20 or $30 at the border. Why is it so much more difficult for Shota to get his visa? You know, I mean, it's unfortunate that in a number of cases, some young Georgians have come to the United States on a visa and then have uh, have not played by the rules and have uh, overstayed their visa. They've not gone back. And that unfortunately makes it harder for their, their countrymen back home when they try to apply. That's Richard Norland, the former American ambassador to Georgia. And by the way, a huge fan of Shota and his music. He's a tremendous talent, and, uh, and I think um, he has a bright future if he keeps at it. But even if the ambassador loves your music, you still have to go through the visa screening. America doesn't want to give tourist visas to people who aren't going to go back home. It makes sense. A lot of people around the world want to move to America permanently. The thorny visa process is just a way of preventing millions of people from rushing into the country. During our interview, Ambassador Norland stressed that the process for a tourist visa was fair. As long as you have the documents and meet the requirements, you should be able to go. But the U.S. rejects about half of these applications from Georgia, and there's no quota for how many tourist visas they can issue. So I had to ask myself, if the process is so fair, why are so many people being rejected? So my name is Krista Porozo, and I'm the chief of the consular section at U.S. Embassy Tbilisi. Krista walked me through the visa process for Georgians and what kinds of factors go into an application being accepted. She should know. If you're a visa applicant like Shoda, she might be the person who interviews you and decides if you can go to America. You see, there aren't a lot of specific guidelines for those decisions. It's really just up to the consular officer alone to decide if someone gets a visa or not. Uh, the way that U.S. visa law works is that the consular officer has to assume every person who's applying for a, a tourist visa actually intends to immigrate. So did you catch that? What she's saying is that the American visa law assumes that every single applicant is kind of trying to screw the system, trying to use a tourist visa to immigrate permanently. Somehow, each applicant has to prove that they won't try to stay in the U.S. Now, in my opinion, that seems rough. It's like trying to prove a negative, right? I mean, if I want to go to America, how do I prove to someone that I won't like it enough to stay? Most of that information is gathered in a personal interview. The questions they ask are predictable, like, where will you be staying, or, or do you have relatives in the States? But one word could send the wrong message and cost you the interview. If I was someone like Shota, someone who has been in love with American culture for years, and I mentioned that maybe one day I would like to earn money by playing music there, that could be enough to get my application rejected. Even using words like live, better livelihood, or, or just mentioning a green card can raise eyebrows. But overall, my conversations with Krista and Ambassador Norland led me to believe that the visa process is not as intimidating as most people think it is. If you don't lie on your application and your travel plan is legit, you'll probably get it. 
Shota's worked with the American embassy before, and they trust him. Even better, he's got a lot of American friends who would probably vouch for him. Now, finances technically don't matter in all this, but a big part of proving that you're going to come back is proving that you have enough money for the trip. So as long as he can save up the cash, Shota can probably get a visa. But that brings us to Shota's biggest obstacle in all this. Money. Trainer, I made a modest budget for what I think a one-month trip to the States would cost him, and this is what I came up with. The cheapest round-trip flight from Tbilisi to Nashville is around $900. The visa he needs costs $160. Train, train. Now let's assume that Shota finds a free place to stay, buys no souvenirs, and drinks nothing but water. If he eats only fast food twice a day, he'll still spend at least $360 for a month of food. Add on 80 bucks for a monthly public transit pass, and his cost of living in Nashville for one month is $440. Train and train, coming down the So... A one-month visit to Nashville would, at the very minimum, cost Shota around $1,500. The average monthly salary in Georgia? Just over $300. If I make it in in America someday, of course, I'm not that high class yet, but uh, I know that there are some authentic people I can meet or at least I can take an example from. So let's say Shota gets the money for his trip and then his visa application gets accepted. What about his dream? What are his actual chances of being able to play music in America? Yeah, I mean, he could, he could totally play my bar. That's Jacob Miller. He's a touring musician and a talent booker for a bar in Denver, Colorado. I talked to Jacob about Shota's chances of playing in America, and he was pretty optimistic. Yeah, he's a good singer. <laughs> That's, you know, he's, he's doing the thing that he wants to do. The main thing he said was to think about where he would visit. Besides Canada, of all places, where Jacob said people are crazy about country music, Shota could find quite a few bars or restaurants around the Rocky Mountains that would let him play for a night maybe even paying him some cash at the door to cover food and travel costs. And then Shota's also got fans in the big time. Michael Peterson is a country music singer who's had five top 40 hits. When he talked to us, Michael had only words of encouragement for Shota. Shota would find a place here because the majority of people who make and listen to country music in America are more like Shota than they are like the superstars. And, and that's not just in Nashville. I mean, you can go... To any place in the United States, uh, from Minnesota to Maine, from Seattle to the Key West, Florida, and and you will find in in almost every city, there will be a country bar or a country culture where you'll find live musicians playing music. That's why Shota would find a place here. And, um, And that's why I'm passionate to talk with you about Shota, because I see in him a very obvious... Uh, voluminous 
compassion for this. And I identify with that. And I know he's not alone. And that's the rub, isn't it? America is kind of perfect for Shota. But that's exactly what might make him a bad candidate for a visa. Now, the last thing that I want to do is speak for Shota. So, so this is where I should make a disclaimer about the story because it could matter later on. Obviously, Shota agreed to let me interview him. But after we talked, well, well, the story kind of developed a life of its own. I took it upon myself to dig into to whether or not his dream was even possible. And he seems realistic about his dream of going to America and, and aware that he won't get much time there. But I still get the impression that he feels out of place in Georgia, that he's looking for another place to call home. There, there are people like Shoda who just, you know, sort of seem like they're out of context, right? You know, there you are in Italy or there you are in Japan and you love American country music and you can't get there. So what are you going to do? Are you just going to give up? Or are you going to grow it where you are? And there are people that have done that. And, um, and I just, I don't know what Shota's going to do, but if there's somebody in Georgia who could do it, it would be him. As far as I'm concerned, if uh, at least one or two people understand well, what I sing about, and if, I, if my lyrics and music touch them, I guess I did a good job. If I play at the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville or at least in some country club in somewhere in, in the middle, middle of nowhere, I'll be just happy, you know. It's an everyday life and some people just don't get any shot in, uh, shots in life. The Nashville show to loves might be a mirage. And if he had been able to go years ago, maybe he wouldn't have fought as hard to perfect his craft. But it wasn't Nashville that made him who he is today. It was his dream of Nashville. To me, that seems like such a small dream, to go to America. Something that should be so achievable in 2016. Why am I lucky enough to travel the world and Shota can't even go drink a Budweiser in Tennessee? But that's the power of citizenship. My passport lets me walk into almost any country I want. It's something I don't even think about anymore. The majority of people around the world, well, they have to fight for that. And while the visa process might be fair, the world isn't. Not that anyone ever said it was. Oh, there's lots of things along the road I'd surely like to see. I'd like to lean into the wind and tell myself I'm free. So, what if what if you never get that chance? What would you do? Uh, I don't know after that uh, if the second life exists, but I wrote lyrics once. There was a chorus like. If I die before I go to USA, there is one thing I can only pray. Don't want LA or Vegas. Lord put my soul in Texas. And I will sing in Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio. But uh, yeah, I, I pray the Lord maybe he puts my soul in Texas. But I mean, somewhere down south. But as I told you, dreams not all, don't always come true. 
and that's reality. So that's probably what pain is about, and that's what country music is about. So I'll keep on playing music till I'm alive. Now lay your head back easy, love, and close your crying eyes. I'll be laying here beside you when the sun comes on the rise. And I'll stay as long as the cuckoo wails and lonesome blue jay cries. Close your eyes, I'll be here in the morning. Close your eyes, I'll be here for a while. A big thanks to the folks behind the Hindenburg Audio Suite, which we used to put this episode together, and to Chai Hana and My Media for supporting our journey. Check out our website at TaxiTaxiPodcast.com, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our show on any podcast app. Next week, we bring you a story about a woman whose life is completely changed when her boss gets drunk and buys two cows. If you got an interesting story about Armenia, Azerbaijan, or the other Georgia, drop us a line. We're always looking for new storytellers. And if you have a comment about the show or want to just rant into an answering machine, call us on Skype. Our name is Taxi Taxi Podcast, all one word. Just to get somehow inside the USA. Since I turned my age to 21, I had the only dream to be a country star. But if I die before I go to USA, there is one thing I could only pray I don't want to lay your Vegas Lord put my soul in Texas And I would sing in Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio That's the first part of the song. Shit, I don't think I've ever heard you play that and that song is fucking amazing. <laughs> you should leave it like that. <laughs> Just like you said. Thanks. <laughs>